If you got your Bibles with you, let's uh, look at Luke 6. Return over there, Luke 6. Uh, we're going to continue our series on accidental Pharisees today. You guys excited about it? Um, we started it last week and, and we talked about accidental Pharisees, and we're going to continue that today and talk more about that subject. So if you got your Bibles, Luke 6, we'll get started there. And uh, we'll take up the offering at the end of service. So, because you guys are wanting to give, right? I knew you were. So I didn't forget that. Uh, Luke 6, and we're going to start in verse 37. This is part two of Accidental Pharisees. And we'll get into uh, kind of the introduction of today's message. So Luke 6 and verse 37. Now this is red letter, so that means Jesus is saying it. Jesus is saying this. He's preaching about it. And Luke 6, 37, it says, Do not judge others. Now I'm reading from the New Living Translation, if it sounds a little different to you. Um, It says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you shall receive. Your gift will return to you full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount that you will give will determine the amount you get back. And then Jesus gave the following illustration. He said, can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teachers, but the student who is fully trained will become like their teacher. In verse 41, it says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Now you can shout at me today, it'll be okay. And how can you say of your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? Hypocrite. That's what it says in the New Living. It says, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. All right, so if you're taking notes today, the title of my message, well, I got two titles. Um, the more traditional one is Jesus and the Pharisees. Jesus and the Pharisees, that's what is going to be our emphasis today. We're going to talk about how did Jesus and the Pharisees uh, deal with each other? How, did, how were they different? And uh, how did Jesus relate to the Pharisees? But if you're taking notes, uh, another one would be uh, logs and splinters. Logs and splinters. Everybody say logs and splinters. Logs and splinters. So Jesus and the Pharisees, or we could say logs and splinters. So we're going to get started today on the part two of this series about accidental Pharisees. Now, I need to give a little bit of introduction before we get into this message, uh, kind of like we did last week. And last week we talked about this because I know some of you know what a Pharisee is, some of you don't know. So we're going to kind of give you some introduction on what a Pharisee is. Now, a Pharisee in the Bible was a religious leader in that day. They were the pastors and the leaders of that day. They were the spiritual leaders of God's people. And they were the spiritual leaders, but they were very religious. They were very legalistic. And they got to a place where they were no fun to be around. They were harsh on people. They were judgmental. They were mean. They were prideful. Now, uh, a Pharisee was somebody who was respected by a lot of people. It's funny because I mentioned this the other week, but we look at Pharisees today and we know the full story of the Bible, so we see them as the bad guys, which they are. But if you lived in the Bible times when Jesus lived, the Pharisees were actually the good guys. They were the superheroes. They were the Hollywood. They were the all-stars. They were the people that everybody wanted to hang around was the Pharisees. If you were in with the Pharisees, you were in. You were the elite person. You were the spiritual person. You were the mature person. Everybody wanted to be like the Pharisees. And so that's kind of different. We need to understand that in the time that Jesus lived, they weren't the bad guys as we know today. They were the good guys. And they were respected by everybody. Now, they were the good guys because they were known that they cared more about God and God's laws than everybody else. They tried to live by God's ways and God's laws more than everybody else. They were known to know God better than other people. And so when we look at a Pharisee, we see that a lot of people looked up to him in the time of Jesus, but later on we realized that they weren't the good guys, they were actually the bad guys. Now, there's a reason we're preaching on this message because this really pertains more to Christians than non-Christians, but especially those of us who have been saved a while or we received Jesus, we all have the tendency to get into this place of pride like the Pharisees were all these years ago. Now, 
The problem with being a Pharisee is this. You don't know when you are one. Now, that's what gets tricky about it. Because when we talk about Pharisees, you're always thinking of somebody else, not you. That's kind of implied when you're a Pharisee. It couldn't be me. Not me. I know who you're talking about, and they're sitting right next to me. Not me. Miss Donna, don't, don't budge Mr. Paul too much. Come on. So Pharisees, it implies that if you are one, you don't know that you are one. It happens accidentally. It happens in all of our Christian walks because the enemy is smarter than we realize because he knows that for most of us, he's not going to get us into the big bad sins that we think. Most Christians are smart enough to avoid the big bad sins, whatever you want to think that is in your head. Most of us are smart enough to avoid those things. So he tries another way to get us into sin, and it's more subtle. And it's called pride. And when we slip into pride, a lot of other things come with that as believers. We start with pride, but then it comes judgment, harshness, no compassion, no mercy. Being an elite person and you're above everybody else and nobody's living as holy as you are and nobody's good enough like you're good enough and you know, you're saved and you're holy and look at the other people that are not living like you and not realizing that you were that person just a few weeks ago. You were that person just a few years ago. And we forget where God brought us from and we get into this area of pride. Now, pride... In my opinion, and I said this last week, now we realize sin is sin, and it's all equal in the eyes of God, but I would say, in my opinion, that pride is the worst sin. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple reasons why. In my opinion, I feel like pride is the worst sin, first of all, because you don't know when you have it. And let's take it a step further. When you're in pride, even if you had an inkling or somebody called you on it that you had it, if you're prideful, you will never repent for being prideful. But most of the time, we can't see our pridefulness, our attitudes, our arrogance. And then a step further is when somebody tries to call us on it because we're prideful, couldn't be you, has to be somebody else. Because it takes humility to say you're sorry. It takes humility to repent. It takes humility to admit that you're wrong. And that's what is so horrible about pride. First of all, you don't know if you have it. But number two, if you have it, you won't admit that you have it and you won't repent of it. Pride. Now, the reason that Satan got kicked out of heaven was not because he smoked cigarettes. The reason that Satan got kicked out of heaven wasn't because he was looking at porn. The reason that Satan got kicked out of heaven wasn't worry. The reason that Satan got kicked out of heaven was the sin of pride. Hello, somebody. And it's interesting, what did Jesus say in the Gospels? Jesus confronted the Pharisees and the religious people, and he said, you're like your father, the devil. Pride. It's pride. It's funny because the Pharisees would say, well, we're most like God. But actually, they were most like the devil. Because the sin of being a Pharisee at the core of it is pride. Is pride. And that is the same sin that got Satan kicked out of heaven, was pride. He said that I can do it, and I'm popular, and I look good, and I can play all the instruments. That's what Satan said to God. He said, I will, I will do this, I will do that. Notice I. Notice right in the middle of the word pride is the word, or the letter I. I will do this, I can do this. And he got kicked out of heaven because of pride. 
And when we talk like that, we're acting just like him. Well, I'm saved. And I worked hard for this. And I'm holy now. Almost implying that you did it. God's blessed me now. But you did it, right? Because you're God. No, God did it. You responded to what he did, but you weren't the person who did it in the first place. Well, you got healed. Well, you didn't do it. God did it. You responded to him, which is the easy part to say yes, and you got healed. But it was God's power. You got delivered, but you didn't do it. You responded to him, which is the easy part, and you got delivered. We didn't do any of this. We just received it. We just said yes. We just cashed in the check that was already there. But it wasn't our money in the first place. It was his. And there's no way we could get in pride when he handed us the check and we signed it. You wouldn't go down and brag about this check that you earned when somebody gave it to you for free. You would brag on the person because all you had to do was sign the check and say yes and amen and you receive all the benefits of what was provided of you. That's what we are as Christians. We didn't earn the money. We didn't write the check. We just say yes and amen and we receive it. Which cancels out any notion of us being prideful that we earned anything. We just received it. Are you here so far today? We're going to get into some good stuff today. So Pharisee was a religious person who was a leader in that day. And we mentioned this the other week, but the two words that always go with Pharisee is this. And these are the two words that most people say, this is why I don't want to come to church. This is why people say, I love Jesus, but not the church. And I mentioned this, we have to be compassionate towards other people and realize that maybe there's truth in what they're saying. And they say, I love Jesus and not the church. Why do they say that? Because most church people are nothing like Jesus. So they say, I like Jesus, but not the church. Now, if the church looked like Jesus, they would love the church too. So we got to look at ourselves and not say, well, they're rebellious. They just don't want to come to church. All right, Pharisee, look at yourself in the mirror next time you say that. The reason they don't want to come is because we're nothing like Jesus. So these are the two words that are used most often with Pharisees, self-righteous and hypocrite. Self-righteous and hypocrite. Most people say, I don't want to come to church for two reasons. Christians are self-righteous and hypocrites. And let me say this, most are. Amen. Yes. Thank you. Uplifting word. Come on. We're going somewhere. I didn't say you. I said Christians. I meant another church. I didn't mean you guys. Chill out. I mean, this is to tell your other friends, not you. So the two words used with Pharisee most often is self-righteous and hypocrite. Self-righteous implying that you think that you did it yourself and that you're right with God because you're self-righteous. You did it. And the other one is hypocrite, meaning I say one thing, but I live a different way. Now, let's just get over this fact. We're all hypocrites in here, including myself. Because all of us have said we believe something and live the opposite way. That doesn't make you a bad person. That makes you a human being. Because we've all said we believe certain things and then not lived it on Monday. But a Pharisee is somebody who lives a lifestyle of that on purpose. It's not that they just made a mistake. It's they say one thing publicly but live differently. Now, the Pharisees came from the scribes in the Old Testament, which were the people who wrote down the law of God. So you could understand why they were so hard on the law of God. They were legalistic people. They knew every law that was in the Old Testament and many more that they made up to keep people in bondage. And so when they were in the time of Jesus, you understand why they were so hard on the laws of God, trying to make people right with God. 
Now, they weren't living it themselves, but they liked putting themselves in a position where they felt like they were better than other people. They like putting themselves in a position where I live up here and you live down here. And they knew the law of God in and out. Most of the Pharisees knew the first five books of the Bible by heart. Now, those aren't easy books to remember. It's not the book of Jude. It's not the book of James. The first five books of the Bible are long books. And there's a lot of words in there. And there's a lot of things to remember. And most of the Pharisees would remember all five books of the Bible by heart, where they could just pull it up anytime, especially pertaining to the law. So they're walking down the street and they see somebody like, hey, you're breaking a law. I got you. Leviticus 3, 18. Thank you. <laughs> you're breaking a law. Deuteronomy 7, 27. Now they weren't saying it as nice as that, but they were always calling other people out, but not looking at themselves. So, the Pharisees were very strict in the laws of God. Now, this is something I want you to understand because in the book of Peter, it says this about the scriptures. It says that some people can read the Bible and they take the scriptures, which are good, and they can twist them in a way to bring destruction. Now, the Bible and the law of God is good. But what the Pharisees did is they missed the heart of the law and they preached the letter of the law and they missed the whole point. And what they did is they twisted the scriptures to harm themselves and to harm other people. And that's a really bad place to be. But let me tell you something today. All of us as Christians, trust me, you can use scriptures to beat people with all day long if you're looking for it. And that's not the way that God meant the word to be used. And so if you use that to comment on everybody's Facebook post on why they're wrong and you're right, you're the one that is wrong and not them. If you always got a scripture to tell somebody why they're wrong and why they're messing up, God did not give the scriptures for you to beat people up with. God did not give you the scriptures to harm people and twist them in such a way that they're not life-giving anymore. They're actually beating people to death. And that's what the Pharisees did in their day. These are God-breathed scriptures, but they twisted them in such a way to make the people dead spiritually. To beat any kind of life and passion they had for God out of them. So, we see that when Jesus came on the scene, Jesus completely flipped this party upside down. Jesus completely changed everything. Now, you with me so far this morning? I need you to stay engaged with me. When Jesus came on the scene, he was and is God. And when he came on the scene, he showed a brand new way of living and the way that God always intended for us to live as followers of him. And when he came on the scene, there was a big difference between the religious people and Jesus, and there still is today. And Jesus came on the scene and said, hey, no, God is not like what you're seeing by this religious person right here. God is not like all these laws. God is not like this religious person who's prideful and judgmental and harsh. God is not like this. And Jesus came and said, let me show you what God is like, because I am God. Let me show you how God thinks about people. Let me show you how much God loves you. And he showed people the big difference between a Pharisee and Jesus. Religious people and the heart of God. They're two different things. And so that's why we see in the Gospels, if you read it, it's amazing when we read them all these years later and we think the opposite of the way it's really saying what the scriptures say. Let me tell you why. Because when we read the Gospels or we're just thinking about it, we're thinking, you know, the people that gave Jesus the hard time are the sinners, right? It's the drunks. It's the homosexuals. It's the prostitutes. Those are the people that didn't like Jesus. That's what we think in our religious mindset. The people that gave Jesus the hardest time were church people. 
religious people. What an uplifting message today, Pastor Jordan. Stay with me. I said, stay with me. You got you to stay with me from beginning to the end. But don't we do that? We read the scriptures in our religious filter, and we're thinking, Jesus, get that sinner. No, he's not talking to a sinner. He's talking to a Pharisee. He's talking to a pastor. He's not talking to a sinner. I dare you, in the next several weeks, read through the Gospels or look up the word Pharisee and see how many times that Jesus and religious people had confrontations. There's a ton of them. And this is what would happen. Jesus would heal somebody, which he's showing them the will of God. He's showing them what God is like. They had thousands of years to heal people and didn't do it. And then Jesus comes on the scene and heals somebody. And the Pharisees are like, hey, Jesus, I don't think you did that right. I think you broke a law when you did that. And Jesus is like, what the heck? Why? Of all the people trying to confront me, why are the church people confronting me when I'm healing somebody? Makes no sense. Notice that's what religion does. It's crazy. It makes no sense. So Jesus would heal somebody. Notice the sinners weren't upset about it. They were rejoicing about it. They were coming from everywhere to be in Jesus' crusades to get healed. But the religious people had a problem with it. Can I say this? Still today, there's religious people that still have a problem with healing. Are you here? Isn't that interesting? Thousands of years later, they still got a problem with healing. And we in this church, we believe God is a healer. And it's God's will to heal you every time of everything. We believe that. And you know what? We get the most persecution from church people. Not sinners. That's a religious spirit. When Jesus would deliver people... They would tell Jesus why that person wasn't good enough for them to deliver. Jesus, you don't want to deliver this person. They're a sinner. Duh. They need deliverance because they're a sinner. And the people that would argue with him the most or persecute him the most were church people. Still today, religious people persecute the ministry of deliverance. They don't like it. It's a religious spirit. Are you still listening this morning? So the people that would persecute Jesus the most were Pharisees, religious people. They were the people that were always asking Jesus questions to get him in trouble. Not the sinners. Not the people that were lost and without God. It was the Pharisees. They were always asking questions on trying to get Jesus to break an Old Testament law, which he wouldn't. How I many know he's God, so he figured out a way to get out of all those questions? But the Pharisees were always trying to think up elaborate things to try to get him in trouble. Because they realized with Jesus on the scene that religion and religious people would lose their power. They couldn't control people like they used to. They couldn't lord it over people like they used to. And Jesus showed us a brand new way. And Jesus and religion are completely different. I just think that's amazing. The people that persecuted Jesus the most were the people that said they knew God the most. They knew more scriptures than anybody. They said they knew God more than anybody, but when God showed up, they missed him. When God showed up, they missed him. You know, if you have a religious attitude, God could be moving and you'll miss it. And it won't be his fault, it'll be yours. God can show up and do something that you've never seen before, that you don't understand before, that you maybe are not comfortable with, but if God is moving and you have a religious spirit, you won't go with it. And you will miss what God is doing. In the same way that the Pharisees, when God in the flesh showed up on earth, and how many know they knew all of those hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament about Jesus? They knew it. 
more than anybody, but they missed it because of pride in that religious spirit. And how many know we can miss it as followers of Jesus today? God can be doing something today, but we can have a religious mindset and miss the move of God. Because of pride, because we've always done it this way, because we're always going to do it this way, we can miss what God is doing because he's trying to do something new in our lives. And you know what? That's what Jesus did. He came and he brought something new, and they didn't want new. They wanted the same old, same old. What they're comfortable with. I want to be in a place where I feel better than other people, so I want to stay right here. And they missed God in the flesh. The most scriptural people of that day. When God showed up, they missed it. But beyond that, they persecuted him and they killed him. That's what the Pharisees did. Are you receiving something this morning? Now we're going somewhere. The Pharisees of that day not only missed him, but they persecuted him and ultimately they killed him. Who killed Jesus? Not sinners, church people. Shocking, isn't it? Sinners didn't have any problem with Jesus because they realized, hey, I messed up. I need help. Jesus, you're a savior. I need help. But the religious people didn't like it because they didn't want to admit they needed help when they really did. That's pride. Let me say this. Still today, there's people in the body of Christ that persecute other people that are doing things that are bigger than them for God. Bigger churches, bigger ministries, bigger authority. They're on TV. They have a large following. They're reaching thousands for Jesus. Maybe they don't look like us. Maybe they don't dress like us. And God is using them. That's a religious spirit when we try to talk bad about those people. And instead of persecuting people like that, why don't you judge your heart and say, well, you know what, maybe they're onto something. God, do something in my life. Instead of me staying, saying in the same old place, doing the same old thing, not going anywhere with God, I need something new. I need something fresh. And maybe somebody other than me or other than this church might be onto something because there's a big stinking world. Do you know that? Seven plus billion people on the planet. There's a lot of different churches. There's a lot of different music styles. There's a lot of different things going on in the body of Christ. And God is using a lot more than just us. Hello, somebody. And you know what? The thing is, he'll stop using people that have a religious prideful attitude. That we got it figured out and that we've arrived Are you hearing me this morning? Don't shout the preacher down when he's preaching good. It's a big world. You need to realize that there's a big world. There's a lot of things going on in the church, in the body of Christ, all around the world. There's thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people being reached all the time that you don't hear anything about on the news. You don't hear anything about because you live in southern Indiana. And God is doing stuff and moving things. And just because he hasn't moved in your life recently doesn't mean that God is not moving. He is. But I'm saying today to challenge you, maybe he's not moving because of pride. Maybe he's not moving because you have a religious spirit. Just like the Pharisees did. Maybe you don't want God to do anything new because you like to be comfortable. We all do. But if he's going to do something new, I might have to change. But I like to be comfortable. It's amazing because... I'm word of faith, spirit-filled, all those different terminologies that go with our church. 29 years into it, 100%, that's what I believe. But it's funny because just because we're not a denomination, like a traditional denomination, we could think that we're above being religious. Dr. Dufresne even said this himself before he went on to be with the Lord. He said, 
people in the word of faith, spirit-filled circles, if they don't change with what God's doing, they'll dry up just like every other denomination has because they have a religious spirit. And they'll say, if you didn't do it like the way we did it in the 80s, then you're not right. If you don't do it the way we did it in the 90s, then you're not right. But God says, I want to do a new thing. Are you here today? And the thing is that God, he doesn't change the word or the message, but he does change the methods. And that's what Jesus was coming to show them, a new way. Let's look at Luke 6, 37. Luke 6. We're going to read through the New Living Translation. And this is in red letter again. You guys getting something this morning. Luke 6 and 37. Luke 6 and 37, the New Living, it says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. And do not condemn others, or it will come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Verse 38, give and you shall receive. Your gift will return to you full, pressed down, shaking together to make room for more, running over, and poured into your lap. The amount that you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, let's just take the first part of this verse here. Now, this is red letter, Jesus. Jesus said this. One of the main characteristics of a Pharisee is judgmental. Jesus came on the scene and said, Do not judge or you will be judged. Do not condemn or you will be condemned. And he goes on and says, The measure that you give it out will be the measure you receive back. Now, I've heard this scripture preached so many times, but never about being judgmental. But that's the context of what it is. We preach about this verse pertaining to money. The context is being a judgmental person, not your prosperity. I've never heard anybody read this scripture and say, this is about being judgmental. Everybody says, this is about your prosperity. Your prosperity gospel. This is about your prosperity. Give and it shall be given to you. The context is being judgmental towards other people, not money. Now, you could use it for money, but the context, Jesus is talking about you judging and condemning other people. And he says, the way you give it out is the way you're going to get it back. Now, we know this. This is all throughout the Bible. You sow. You reap. You sow, you reap. Think about this. All of us in here don't want to be judged. We don't want to be condemned. Jesus said, I'll tell you how that's going to happen. You don't judge, and you won't be judged. You don't condemn, and you won't be condemned. And he says, the measure that you dish it out on Facebook Eating Cheetos. Check them out and do. I just need to correct everybody in the body of Christ because they don't know what's going on. The measure you dish it out is the way it will come back to you. I'm talking about money. I'm talking about judgment. That's some, that's some pretty strong talk. That's Jesus talking here. He says, don't judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others. For it will come back against you. Forgive others, notice, and you will be forgiven. Because what you give, it will come back to you. But notice, not just come back to you. It will come back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be judged. Does anybody want to be judged? Go ahead and raise your hand. Who wants to be condemned? Who would like to not be forgiven for any of their sins? No, no, you wouldn't. And Jesus says, the way that you give it out is the way that you're going to receive it. 
that's some strong talk from Jesus. But that's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. He cares about how we treat and talk about other people. It's not just between us and God. It's between us and God and other people. We're all in this together. That's why he would always say, don't just love God, but love your neighbor. They go together. And he says, don't judge, for you will be judged. I would say, I'm going to err on the side of not judging. I don't know about you. I'm going to err on the side of being forgiving. I'm going to err on the side of being somebody who's not condemning. Why? Because you got to think about if you were reversed in your roles, what would you want? That's what we always need to think about pertaining to other people. If you were on the other side of that judgment, how would you want people to respond to you? If you were on the other side of forgiveness, how would you want people to respond to you? If you were on the other side of condemnation, how would you want people to respond to you? And we have to let God deal with our hearts like we did last week about prejudice and attitudes and say, you know what, I'm not going to judge people. I'm not going to condemn people. Because when we do that, we're not like God, we're like the Pharisees. And ultimately like the devil, which is called the accuser of the brethren. Not the uplifter, not the forgiver, not the helper. He brings judgment and condemnation. You're still here today. So we as believers need to let God deal with our hearts if we're judgmental. If we're prone to condemn other people, we need to see it like Jesus sees it and put ourselves in the situation of other people that are on the other side of that. You know that um, when thinking about other people, you need to realize that people come from all different backgrounds, all different upbringings. A lot of people that you get mad at or you judge or you want to say, well, I'm not going to forgive that person, you don't know their life. Quiet. You don't know what they went through. You don't know if they've been abused. You don't know if people have harmed them. You don't know their life experience. You just know their actions. A lot of times we don't think about that. It was said before, we judge other people by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our motives. Well, you know my heart. No, I don't. Actually, I don't. And we're so quick to jump on other people when we wouldn't want other people to jump on us. If it was reversed, you'd be like, well, hey, I didn't mean it like that. I had a different motivation than that. Let's give other people that benefit. So Jesus says, do not judge, and you won't be judged. Verse 39, it says, can one blind person lead another? Now, he's specifically talking about the religious leaders of that day. He's talking about, if you follow these people that say they're religious and know God, they're like a blind person, and they're going to lead you to a ditch, destruction. If you follow them, it says, can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like their teacher. Verse 41, it says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? And how can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. I love how Jesus just calls it out. He just calls it out. He doesn't care. You know, Jesus was like super sweet to all the sinners. You ever notice that? But if those Pharisees pushed Jesus, I mean, he, he wasn't weak. 
he would push back. I mean, he called them things like Satan, <laughs> vipers. He said, like, you're a box of dead man's bones. I mean, like, talk about a diss. I mean, he just had a diss rap on that guy. It was like, you're a box of dead man's bones. Boom, drop the mic. You're done. It's over. Jesus didn't hold back with religious people. And that's who he's calling out right here. He says, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck when you can't see past the log in your own? And he says, hypocrite. That's what he's calling the religious people. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now, this scripture pertains to all of us in here. When you're a Pharisee, you're always quick to look at the issues in other people, but not the issues you have. (laughs) It's so quiet in here. Pastor, I want another message. This is not good. Pharisees and religious people notice they're very quick to look at other people's mistakes, other people's issues, but not their own. Because they don't have any. They're prideful. But a true follower of Jesus looks at themselves first before it ever looks at somebody else's issues. Because the fact of the matter is we all have issues in here. We all have things that we can improve on, things that we can work on, things we're growing into, sins that we need to deal with, issues. And it says, you can never help somebody else until you get yourself right. A lot of us in here, you know, you want to help other people. You want to see other people saved and healed and delivered. But you can't do that if you don't have your own life figured out. If you don't let God deal with the issues in your own life. And a lot of times that's what we do. We make a big issue about small issues in other people's lives. Instead of realizing you have the Hoosier National Forest in your eyeball. (laughs) And you're trying to talk about a splinter in your friend's eyeball. Hello, can you see that? How many national parks and national forests are in there and you're looking at everybody's minor issues? That's what a Pharisee does. He looks at everybody else's issues before his own. And I would say that's a rule we need to live by. Stop pointing out everybody's little issues. Let's look at the own log that we have stuck in our eyes and it says that you can't help anybody else if you don't fix what's in your eye first I was thinking about this going to the eye doctor the way to fix what's in your eye The stuff that they put in your eyes at the doctor's office to help them. Or the eye drops that people use. The spiritual eye drops to help fix what's in your eyes is called humility. Now we can say all day, I got a log in my eye, but so do they. They got issues too. Okay. If you want to fix the situation to get rid of that, Shearwood forest in your eyeball. (laughs) The eye drops to fix that is humility. To walk in humility towards God and towards other people. That's what a true follower of Jesus does. You guys getting something today? I know this could be a sobering message, but it's a message you need to hear. We're talking about accidental Pharisees today. Jesus and the Pharisees. I want to talk about three things As we close, three big differences between Jesus and the Pharisees. And we've mentioned some of these already, but let me mention them again. A Pharisee 
is prideful. And that pride comes out towards everybody and related to everything. So if you see pride in your life, you're more like a Pharisee than Jesus. It's amazing Jesus came on the scene who is God and was God. And if anybody could act uppity to anybody, it should be God. Because he is better and greater than any person. But Jesus came on the scene and showed him a different way, and he walked in humility. Think about all the scriptures where it says Jesus was gentle and lowly in heart. He was meek. He was humble. Which is the complete opposite of the Pharisees. And he showed you the attitude of what God is really like. Humility, not pride. So I want to ask these questions today. These are things that you can ask yourself. When I'm in pride, I'm more like the Pharisees. But when I walk in humility... I'm like Jesus. Now, we all would say this, that we all want to be like Jesus and not the Pharisees. Well, these are some good things to think about. When I'm walking in humility, I'm most like Jesus. But when I'm walking in pride, I'm most like a Pharisee. Now, here's another thing. Pharisees had passion for being right, but Jesus had compassion for others. Pharisees had passion for being right, but Jesus had compassion for others. Now, I just preached about passion or pressure. I believe in it 100%. But there is something that can happen in all of us, our lives as believers. Is that passion that started out good at the beginning can turn a wrong way, and you care more about being right than being compassionate towards other people. Well, I need to defend God. And that's how your voice sounds when you say that. I need to defend God. God is being defamed in this country. God is big enough to handle his own business. God is big enough to defend himself. He doesn't need you on a street corner holding a sign telling everybody what God hates and what he doesn't like and that you're the savior of the United States of America. You're not helping God. You're hurting the cause of Christ. And we could have more passion for being right than we have compassion for others. And that's what the Pharisees cared more about. Passion for being right than compassion for others. And if we're not careful, passion can drive out compassion if it's not directed in the right place. Because a lot of people get fired up, which is a good thing. God wants you excited. He wants you passionate. The Bible uses the word zealous. But something can happen along the lines. You're passionate, you're fired up, but you end up hurting people in the process because you don't know what to do with that passion. Let's just take me for example. <laughs> Bruce is the only one who knows what I'm going to talk about. Like every summer camp experience, you come back from summer camp and you're passionate. But you're young and you're dumb and you don't know anything. I can't ha- count how many youth rallies and youth group events that I came back from summer camp and I was passionate and I was fired up, but I had passion but not a lot of compassion for people. It can happen very easily, not just to youth, but to other people. And I remember, you come back from camp, you're fired up, you're passionate, and you feel like you're right because you really are excited, but you end up hurting people in the process because there's no compassion with your passion. So let's just take me, for instance. You know, I come back from camp, I have braces, so I got a lisp going on. My voice is changing, so I sound like kind of a girl, but kind of country. No offense to girls, but I got a, a super big lisp in my, in my speech, and I sound like I got a, a speech problem. You're probably glad that you don't have to listen to that every week, but trust me, I have one CD, and I'm not going to let it out to the public ever. It's called Lay Aside the Weight. You don't want to hear it. You will laugh until you cry. And I had one called My Life is a PK, which is even worse than that one. (sighs) But you got to give it up for me. I was young and I was passionate. 
So you, know, you come back from summer camp and you get up and you grab the mic and you're like, I love God and you should love God and you know what you old people are doing it wrong and everybody who doesn't love God you need to go to hell and get out of this church and <laughs> and you feel like you're right at the moment because you're passionate and you're very sleep deprived from camp so you're going crazy pretty much so it's like 30% anointing 70% sleep deprival and sometimes your passion can push out your compassion for people. I don't know how many messages have been taught like that, come back from camp. you got to give it up for the passion, but maybe the way you said it wasn't very compassionate. When I came back from camp, I'm like, I hate everybody at my school. They don't love God. I'm like, okay, that's really doesn't work with reaching people for God. If they don't want to love God, they're not cool anyways. <laughs> How many have ever been at a youth rally like that? Come on, raise your hand. Don't be, don't be ashamed of your upbringing. But that's a perfect example. My heart was right. I was passionate. But sometimes your passion can drive out compassion for others. And that's something you got to learn. you got to realize, yeah, I'm passionate, but realize there's other people that don't see it the same way as you do. There's other people that are not living on the same level as you're living. So your passion can not always help them. It could hurt them sometimes if you don't handle it in the right way. You know, the Bible uses the word zealous, like I said earlier. And there were a group of people in Bible times called zealots. And the zealots were passionate, but they were also violent people. which can happen with Christians, with their passion level. And the zealots of Jesus' day, they were legitimately passionate, fired up about God, but to the point that they always wanted to fight everybody. Does it sound like Christians today? And notice their passion was aimed in the wrong direction. It's great that you have passion for God, but don't shoot other people while you're trying to be passionate. Don't hurt other people and chop people apart because of your passion. So we're like Jesus when we're compassionate for others. But we're like the Pharisees when we're passionate just about being right. And lastly is this. We're like the Pharisees when we're judgmental. But we're like Jesus when we show mercy. Let's look at James Two. James 2. Did you guys get something today? I know I've been wild, yelled, screamed, but I'll take any of it back. Jesus and the Pharisees. James 2, and we're going to read here in a second. Does anybody have a New King James nearby? A New King James. James 2 in verse 13. So he said, you're most like a Pharisee when you're a judgmental person. But you're most like Jesus when you show mercy. James 2 in verse 13 in the New King James, it says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Notice that. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. You need to live a life like that, like Jesus, that you're going to say, you know what, I could judge right now, and I might even be right, but let mercy triumph over judgment in your life mercy triumph over judgment and why are you doing that because when you get to heaven one day you want mercy to triumph over judgment in your everyday life when you mess up you want God for mercy to triumph over judgment in your everyday life you want God to be compassionate towards you just not passionate about being right you want mercy to triumph over judgment we need to think about that 
There's times that you could be right. But it's not about being right. It's not about being better than somebody else. It's not about tearing other people down. It's about mercy triumphing over judgment. And when you show mercy, you're most like Jesus. Mercy is not giving somebody something they deserve. That's mercy. So mercy says, you deserve this. You've earned it. But I'm not giving you judgment. I'm giving you mercy. In the same way, God in heaven sent his son to the earth. And we deserved to go to hell. We deserved to be in our sins. We deserved to be sick. We deserved to be broke. We deserved to, to live in eternity apart from Jesus. But what happened? He showed us mercy instead of judgment. Because we all deserved it. And if God said, all of you get away from me for eternity, he would be right in his judgment. He would be right. But he chose compassion and he chose mercy. And it says mercy triumphs over judgment. So we're most like Jesus when we're merciful people instead of judgmental people. Let's look back at Matthew or Luke 6. And we're going to close with this in the Message Bible. Did you guys get something today? We're going to take up our offering in a second and then close. Matthew or Luke 6 in the Message Bible. Now, this is really strong. You guys ready for this? Put your steel-toed boots on in your oven mitts and a football helmet. You're going to need all of them right now. Luke 6 and verse 37. This is the message. Now, just listen to what I have to say. Luke 6, 37, it says, Don't pick on people and jump on their failures, criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life and your life will be given back. But not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessings. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. He quoted a proverb and said, Can a blind man guide a blind man? Wouldn't they both end up in a ditch? An apprentice doesn't lecture the master. The point is to be careful who you follow as your teacher. Now hear this. It is easy to see a smudge on your friend's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. them religious spirits are screaming up in this place. Ow! You know when you like respond like that? Of course, none of you did. But hey, a baby just responded. That's awesome. Precious. But you're not religious. I love you. But you know when a religious person responds like that, that means they got hit. You only yell when you got hit. Ah! It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Listen to this. This is a message. This is not me. Don't blame me for this. He says, do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you, when your own face is distorted by contempt? Man. It's this, I know better than you mentality again. Playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your own part. Man, he is going for it here. You, you ain't ready. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face. And you might be a better fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Woo! Isn't the word good this morning? So I don't know about you, but I want to be like Jesus and not a Pharisee. Can I get amen on that point? I want to show people compassion and mercy and not judgment. And if for no other reason than this, we need to think about, I don't want judgment in the future. I don't want condemnation. 
I'm going to sow mercy and compassion so I can reap mercy and compassion. And you know what? That's the heart of God. That's really the heart of God. I'm sorry if religious people and even the church world has shown you something different, but Jesus came and revealed to us the real heart of God, which is compassion and mercy. So I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll take up the offering. But if we could, every head bowed, every eye closed for a moment. Let me ask this.